And what resonated with me is he learned more about himself in chasing failure than he would have ever done if he hadn't pushed himself out of his comfort zone. And I think when, when, when I think of leadership, when I think of innovation, if you're in a scenario where you don't think about pushing yourself, pushing your team, being in a scenario where you can actually be wrong and fail, you really don't know what you can accomplish. Hi, my name is Nathan Baumeister, and you're listening to Builder, Banker, Hacker, Chief, a podcast where executives from the world of finance and technology share the story of how they got where they are and the decisions that made them who they are. I'm looking for hidden moments of truth and sacrifice, wisdom and folly, and what it's like to navigate the treacherous waters at the helm of a growing company. I want to do all that so that together we can learn from their journey and use that insight personally and professionally. In episode nine, my guest is Zach Duke, co-founder and CEO of Finisec. He's the kind of person who creates instant connections with nearly everyone he meets. It's hard not to enjoy the enthusiasm and authenticity that Zach brings to the simplest of interactions. But that wasn't always the professional face of Zach too, even if it's always been his true character. Corporate culture has a way of encouraging people to obscure weakness and run from failure. Those dynamics never sat well with Zach as an employee. As CEO of Finisec, he's done everything in his power to build a company that operates from a foundation of love and continuous improvement. Here's what I find so remarkable about this conversation. You could easily be fooled into thinking a cybersecurity CEO should exemplify the icy fortitude of a bank vault. In reality, true security comes from knowing your strengths and inviting other people to collaborate using their strengths. It's my great pleasure to add Zach Duke to the amazing roster of guests at Builder Banker Hacker Chief. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and settle in for a great conversation. I've had the wonderful privilege of getting to know you through multiple different industry events over many, many years. No, thanks for having me. Uh, such an honor. The, the thing that um, I find very interesting and one thing that has stuck with me um, ever since we started becoming friends and kind of talking about our backstories and stuff like that is how much your growing up years actually had to do with development within business as well. I think that's pretty unique in regards to a lot of our leadership stories in regards to how intentional it seemed to be. And I don't know if it was necessarily from you or your parents or what it was, but I would love to hear a little bit about that um, so that we could learn from it. By seventh grade, um, I'd actually lived in five different states and uh, went to seven different schools. Um, I wouldn't wish that on anybody for the record. Um, yeah, that sounds hard. But I wouldn't change it because it made me a lot of who I am. And, um, you know, the next, next question that comes up when I'm having these conversations is, oh, well, well, what was going on? Well, my dad was a manufacturer sales rep for furniture and was really working hard. Um, you know, he had these, these sayings and these dynamics as I look back that are so impactful for me today. You know, the first one I'll drop, and, and there'll be several, I'm sure, as we talk through the conversations today, is 
I may not be the sharpest knife in the door in the drawer, but I'll be damned if you're going to outwork me. And you know, one of the things that was very unique um, with with Dad is he would take me on trips, really starting about a age eleven. And when I say trips, he he was a essentially he sold furniture to furniture stores, so he was a manufacturer rep for furniture, and he actually had a zero dollar base salary. And mm. I, I want to highlight that because I think it and some of the things I'm going to talk through really that impact is different. So the only way we had things at the home front, like food and shelter and things we wanted to go buy, was if the furniture stores sold my dad's furniture. And he had multiple states that he, that he covered. And as he would take me on these trips, and when you go see multiple customers, he would teach me things um, from an intentionality standpoint. So one of the ones I remember very distinctly, again, walking in, you know, it's, it's how to shake a hand. It seems pretty self-explanatory, but it's, you know, look somebody in the eye, have the firm grip. Don't, don't make it where they feel like their fingers are going to crush, but also don't give them the wet fish, right? <laughs> um, and then, you know, secondarily, things like the customer is the reason why you're in business. And I'll let that marinate for a second. When I, th when you, when I start with my dad and that $0 base salary, the impact of that was significant, especially in those formative years as I was going through that. Zach said marinate, so let's do that. Especially in the tech world, but really any business, it's easy to get fixated on your world-changing idea and how everybody's going to buy it and love it. It's the kind of hubris that works great on stage and in the press, but often leads to bankruptcy and burnout. As a traveling salesman, Zach's dad taught him to focus on the customer, listening to needs and bringing solutions. I've seen Zach model this by bringing his children to trade shows and having them work the booth alongside him. A successful CEO needs to walk a delicate line between these two realities, believing wholeheartedly in the product or service and keeping the customer at the center of everything your company does. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about my mom. My mom also was, um, she was a middle school teacher, um, actually got her PhD. So, you know, I had these kind of hustling, working hard parents that were always just getting after it. So, um, you know, I think that grit dynamic was really kind of ingrained early, early on. Yeah, no, I love that. Knowing you and your your team, I know that you kind of live these values now is you're in the leadership position at, at Finosec, which we'll you know get into later on in the conversation. But I heard transparency, always share the why, and try and bring people in as part of the decision um, as, as some really great leadership principles that uh, I think you kind of touched on there that your, that your parents uh, modeled for you when you were quite young. One of the things that you are very well known for um, in our industry is you might just be with someone for five minutes and within that five minutes, you're already deep into some sort of really deep conversation where you show this immense curiosity about the other person, talking about things that you wouldn't talk about with someone that you've known for like 10 years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a direct reflection, I think, of what you're sharing is, is how you learn how to make connections 
deeply with people in a quick amount of time rather than something that's over a long period of time, which I know I've benefited from and many others as well. Yeah. I, and I think that, um, you know, the vulnerability of being real, you know, I think in, in social media, like I love LinkedIn, right? And, and a lot of our business development strategy is phenomenal on that, but that's just a highlight reel. It's like everything that's going right. And, and I think when we look at the world today with AI and everything that's changing, relationships are even going to be more paramount. And authentic, authenticity is missed. And I think if you can lean in and be deep and just be real with people and feel comfortable with that. And, and it's, it's, there's, a, there's a special dynamic that I found of um, letting your guard down. And, you know, I use this analogy with, with, with my team when I'm talking through things is um, out of the 100 people, the 99, per, the 99 out of the 100 that you go and you're just authentic with and you're vulnerable with and the impact of those versus the one out of 100 that could be the poison pill or come back to bite you, man, you get it back all day long with a 99. But if you only go think of, gosh, this one out of 100 is going to make such a significant impact and I can't be, be vulnerable because what if? You miss out on building relationships and rapport. And I think um, that's something I'm just very comfortable with and believe wholeheartedly. And even if it's 90 to 100, which it's not, you still get a lot more out of it. So um, uh, there are absolute dynamics that I think tie in uh, when you start thinking about leadership and, and really your personal brand. What do you want to be known for? Yeah. And as we kind of move on in your journey, which you've already touched on a little bit, you ended up going to school, studying to be an engineer, got a job to be an engineer. And speaking about vulnerability, you found out it wasn't your thing. <laughs> yeah. So walk me through, kind of tell me that story. Like maybe when was it that you really like, did you, did you have like one aha moment? I remember um, I was at a bank and we were doing this uh, security update. So if there's an engineer listening, I'm an MCSE NT40. Um, for everybody else, that's like saying I'm certified in Atari, an Atari. So this was a long time ago. <laughs> um, I was actually doing a, a late night server rebuild security configuration. And uh, I rebooted the servers and they just didn't come up. And uh, that was the first one where it was very clear. And, you know, um, I, I missed a step, you know, something that was misconfigured. and. I mean, it was just a nightmare to go, to go try and restore. Um, the the last one I remember is uh, this is actually right when I transitioned transition to uh, account management and kind of the the business development side of the house. As I was at a customer, they had an issue. I was like, "Oh, I know how to fix that," and I did a couple of clicks. Next thing, you know, the teller machine won't reboot. Um, I also had a scenario where I had an in-house core processing system that because of the work we were doing, we had to take down on the 15th of the month in the middle of the day when everybody was doing deposits back in, you know, I mean, this is, you know, I'm dating myself and all my gray hairs that y'all can't see. Um, but, um, you know, those were pretty um, apparent scenarios that I'm going to have a problem in this role and I need to figure out how to, uh, um, how to facilitate it. Um, uh, and, and how to try to get in the right spot.
For anyone listening who isn't familiar with banking technology, taking down a core processor on the 15th of the month is equivalent to rotating the tires on a fire truck immediately after getting called to a four alarm fire. You just don't do it. Now, Zach got his degree as a software engineer, so he clearly put in the time and effort required by the profession. But his dedication to the craft didn't translate into a career as a developer. Instead, it gave Zach something more powerful, the self-awareness and technical understanding to assemble a team of people who are technical wizards. It's easy to confuse those qualities, but technical skill doesn't make you a strong leader and vice versa. Zach is living proof that leadership is a discipline unto itself. You know, I, I always joke, I just wanted to fool somebody getting out of college to hire me. And I was kind of blessed, right spot, right time. And, and we were at a place where we were growing and expanding and there were opportunities. And, um, you know, one of my mentors, Mike Bell, uh, he was an, also a uh, former engineer and took me kind of under his wing and kind of taught me how to go do the business development side and get me comfortable in my shoes and, you know, be able to go facilitate and lean into those strengths, um, you know, as, as part of that. But I, I think the nice thing for me is that engineering background helped because I understood what I was talking. Yeah. Even though I wasn't good at it, I was able to go articulate and, and be able to explain, you know, the the, uh, the components and the reasons why and the strategies. And that's that's helped me to this day. You know, that that kind of technical and um, especially when you're talking about the things that we touch on with cybersecurity and information security governance. Understanding the technical components is critical. Now, you had quite the journey. You went from engineer to business development and sales to, uh, you know, presumably having some, some of your first leadership roles and figuring out how to grow a company. As you look across that journey, what are some of the defining things that you really felt like you learned in a big way um, by being able to go through that experience? Um, I, I think the first thing I would tell you is go go figure out the stuff you do really well and, and put processes around that and be intentional around expanding it um, because it's probably not easy for everybody else. Um, I, I think that's that's a hallmark for me. Um, and I know you touched on this, and this is a topic you and I you and I have spent a lot of time on. You touched on Strengths Finder uh, specifically in this context. I think it is helpful because I'm, I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with the Strengths Finder concept, especially. I think that generally, at least to here in the US, a lot of us are brought up with this idea of let's find all of our weaknesses and make them strengths. And uh, quite honestly, I think there's some good uh, questioning on whether or not that's the right way to do things. Part of my story, and I think if, 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 if we were sitting down and I'm having a cup of coffee with the audience and we're just kind of one-on-one, you know, one of the things I would tell you that's been transformational for me is going through a process of really becoming self-aware. Strengths Finder for me was awesome. Um, now, when I took it, I was in a pretty um, challenging spot. I remember uh, actually another one of my uh, uh, mentors, Paul Flanagan, was going through and uh, came in as a consultant to come in and uh, implement Strengths Finder for us. and. Um, as I was going through, I was like, man, I'll, I'll, I've got no problem going through strengths finder. But my question to him was who's going to get my weaknesses and how's it going to be used against me? Hmm. Because, you know, my, my dynamic was really what you were talking through that dynamic of, I don't want to have somebody to know that my weaknesses. And I think what, what I really was able to embrace with strengths finder is the flip side of that is we all have these unique talents and when you're building a team, 
if you can find people that have talents that are different than yours, man, is it rock star. My, my, my co-founder and I, you know, Scott McElroy, he is wired so differently than me. Thank goodness. Because it makes a special dynamic when you have a team and a process where you can have people that can walk alongside you um, and, and can make the team better. Um, so StrengthsFinder has been um, very intentional um, benefits. Um, it, it also put me on, on the path of trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do with my, with my career? You know, when I started Fenisec, I was 41. Um, uh, it took me several years of kind of pondering of, you know, what do I want to do next? And what is that process to get to the place where I said, Hey, I'm going to go try to build something from nothing. Um, and to, to get to that spot and strengths finder was one of those things that put me on that journey of, and again, it's really, for me, it just goes back to self-awareness and just understanding who you are. And, um, I, I do want to nail though, I think all these uh, and I love these personality tests and strength finder components. These these things. Um, I, I always know you're say, a big fan of Enneagram too. I know. Yeah, that's yeah. Any, actually, Enneagram. Yeah, Enneagrams. You know, uh, a, another um, one that um, I would say again. Um, we're we're having a cup of coffee. I'm sitting across this, the uh, the chair, the table from you. Um, you know what I would tell you is if you got 15 percent of the impact of Enneagram yourself it'll change your life of what it had for me and um it it really created a scenario where i became better understanding that combined with enneagram was a very significant um significant piece of my story And, and really what i was able to go find is there's this dynamic of understanding who you are and then understanding where your gaps are um, and how you communicate things. Um, and both of those scenarios, I would just, um, as, I was t- as, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm talking through it, they're directionally correct. You can't put somebody in a box. And uh, you know, just because I've gone and I've spent 45 minutes or 30 minutes on a test doesn't mean that's who I am or who I will be either. It's really just something to become self-aware and say, hey, based on this, what, what does that tell me? How do I lean in? How do I apply that in my in my work? How do I apply that with my team? Um, how do I apply that with vulnerability? You know, one of the things that drives me nuts about my Enneagram, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I go through and I read, and I'm going to go to the negative, you know, that's kind of human nature, right? And I remember sharing this with my team. And, and one of the things that, that it says is, um, on mine is, um, may overcommit themselves and has problems following through in tasks. Well, that's great as a CEO. If you're not familiar with the Enneagram personality system, it focuses on nine types, with every person displaying a secondary or wing and a variety of high and low functioning behaviors. Like many personality systems, it can create self-awareness as you see behaviors in the context of how you're wired instead of as defects you need to root out. As you can see from Zach's story, self-awareness brings the opportunity to lean into your wiring or run away from it. And a person's response to that information is what separates leaders who fail their way into success from those who hide from their weaknesses. I love that Zach isn't too proud to share this story openly with us and that he accounts for it in his business strategy. 
the flip side of that is, is you can really go through and have somebody like Scott, who's the process guy, unlike any other, and Scott's my CTO co-founder. I can go and say, hey, here's the target. Here's the, here's the scenario. Let's make sure we execute on this. And I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be the one that's following through on those tasks. I don't have to be in that scenario. So I think that that dynamic of just understanding your strengths and where you, where you start, where you should stop um, is really, really important. Yeah. Well, I love that. I mean, uh, I love it, it. Your whole point is wrapped up on this idea that if you want to develop yourself, you first need to be self-aware. And for you, these tools, Enneagram, Binders, have been good lenses to look at yourself in, to be able to, to, to look at yourself in different ways, to, to learn more about who you are, not necessarily to define yourself, but to have the structure provided. And there's lots of ways to do that. It could be through mentors. It could be through conversations. I think probably, and I, I, my guess is you'd agree with this, take all of it, right? Yes. Like, like yeah. take all of it. Because <laughs> the more yeah. you can understand yourself, the better you're going to be able to know how you can contribute the most in whatever environment that you need. But also more importantly to what I think you were coming down to there is, is who do you need to get to join your team? So let's dive into this found the founding story of Finisec. Um, you know, you had this great experience um, with your previous organization. You were really diving deep into self-awareness and kind of on this journey. You said you're 41 is kind of when that that itch started coming after coming over you. And I know, I know you had some formative experiences that really got you to push yourself over the edge. And I'd love for you to share some of that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. So, so one of the things that um, was transformational for me, um, I was actually, um, I was in church and um, before some of y'all just flip off and be like, Oh no, here we go. Right. Um, I mean, this is like a Ted talk. So, um, a guy comes in and this is literally on my 41st birthday and, um, it's Ryan leak. Um, if you haven't heard Ryan's story, uh, if you want to shoot me a note after, I'll be happy to send you his, his, uh, um, session on this, but essentially his, his whole thing was, was this concept of chasing failure. And, uh, Ryan actually was as, as he would have called YMCA good at basketball. So played in college. Which, which he'd be somebody that you just didn't want to go play against if you're playing one-on-one or you're playing, uh, you know, pick up, pick up basketball. But he wasn't what he would consider NBA good. Well, he, he has this, this vision that he wants to go out and he wants to try out for the NBA. So he goes through this process of emailing and calling and trying to get this place where he actually goes and does this tryout. And he finally gets the Phoenix Suns to say, sure, come on out. And he just gets smoked like absolutely just smoked. And then he has this brilliant idea of, you know, that was really difficult. I think I want to go try out for another team. And he continued that process. And, 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 and what ended up his story was he tried out for every NBA basketball team. And what re resonated with me is he learned more about himself in chasing failure than he would have ever done if he hadn't pushed himself out of his comfort zone. And I think when, when, when I think of leadership, when I think of innovation, if you're in a scenario where you don't think about pushing yourself, pushing your team, 
being in a scenario where you can actually be wrong and fail, you really don't know what you can accomplish. Uh, and it's so comical. I can go back to that moment. You know, this was pre-pandemic and we were in person, you know, my wife and I were driving out of the church parking lot. We're one of those, those big churches um, uh, in, in North Atlanta, um, Andy Stanley's church. And so we're pulling out and as, as we're going through that, you know, Melody, my wife, she's like, well, why'd you get out of the service? And I'm like, well, I think I need to go start my own company. And, you know, yeah, that's exactly what you, one would expect to hear after sitting in church, right? Yeah, she was like, what? Were we in the same room? Where did that come from? Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, shortly thereafter, it was like, okay, I'm going to put the pieces in place. And four months later, I was um, in with my with my uh, my boss telling him, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go start my own gig. And was history from there. Yeah. So I can't help but think of how many people sitting there saying, yeah, but I, I, I don't, I don't actually buy that. <laughs> I don't believe at my company or I don't believe that even myself am okay with me failing. Um, okay with me making mistakes. Okay. With me, you know, falling short, like I need to be on, I need to hit, I need to do all the things that uh, I need to be, do I, I constantly need to be a success. And if I, you know, trip up once, then it's all over. How, how do you fight that narrative, at least within the realm of the universe that you have some influence over, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is if you're in a leadership role, you need to have everyone that's below you not feel that way. That is hands down. That is your responsibility. And if you're putting pressure on them that they think that perfection is the only answer, that is such a mess. So really what you need to do is you need to model the dynamic of being okay with highlighting the things that you did wrong and what you learn from it. You know, I, I'm such a big believer is, you know, we're going to fail fast. You know, we're going to try stuff. And if it doesn't work, that's not a problem. I'd rather do that than, than be stagnant. And, and having that from a leadership perspective is so important. And the conversations that you'll have with your team because of that changes the whole game. And um, so I just can't articulate that enough. Now, if you're not in the, you know, in the CEO role, that's a bigger challenge. You know, there's, there are dynamics there where you may not have the cover, the coverage you need to have. So you got to make sure you cover your team and um, make sure that you have things in place that you can have it where, you know, um, it's not your team that made a mistake. It was you that made the mistake. You know, especially in those cultures, you've got to be okay with having a scenario where you um, have heavy shoulders as a leader. And and ultimately what I found is when you do that correctly, you'll have folks that will run through walls for you. All of a sudden, that's the expectation for not just your team, but everybody. Um, and and that's, that's probably the piece that I get the most energy out of today when I look at the team building dynamic for us. Yeah. Well, and I think one of, one of the interesting things um, for those that do sales as a profession, it's one of those professions that there's no hiding whether you're successful or not. Um, it, it is so easily trackable. It is so visible to everybody in the organization, whether or not deals are closed or not. And I can't help but think of your dad modeling this behavior and what you were talking about, you know, zero base, 100% commission. Hey, I made the money. We could do this. But remember, there's going to be times when I'm not and we're going to have to do something different. And I'm going to share when that happens. And that's just the way it's going to be. And when that happens, let's make adjustments, right? 
like you said, fail fast. Let's move to the next thing. Let's not keep trying to do the exact same thing in the exact same way because then there's means there's no learning. So taking the lessons all the way from, from, from back then, uh, with, uh, I just, I just can't help but think of Zach riding along in the car with your dad, uh, going to all these different sales calls to now with, with, with Finisec. Do you have any examples or stories that you can think of where y'all, uh, took a big swing and, and missed and then how you and the team were able to adjust appropriately for that? Um, which one, right? Um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I mean, I think there's this dynamic of, um, I'll go back to what you talked about earlier. Um, and I, and I mentioned the dynamic of the half steps and the baby steps. You know, I think if you're really leaning into fast failure, the big failures really don't happen as big. Really what ends up happening is you have a lot, you have lots of little pivots, lots of little dynamics, and you don't have this buildup of, gosh, it's gotta be right. Gosh, it's gotta be right. And then if it's not right, oh my gosh. And, um, I, I think that's what I've been able to find. And really that goes into innovation as a whole. Being stagnant is not the scenario that you want to be able to go have inside your organization and be able to have uh, applied. Um, you know, the, uh, the dynamic of how you go build things. I remember when we were first doing our, our user access reporting platform, um, we, we had actually were, were trying to build this on top of uh, Salesforce. And, you know, you, you talk about a debacle. You know, um, we learned pretty quick that that wasn't going to be the, the right way to go, you know, facilitate and build things. So I think it also takes um, comfort, chutzpah. You know, I think as a leader, you've got to be okay with, we got to pivot. And, um, you know, I think that's the other thing that, you know, you can't sit in front of the elevator. You know, you just hit the button and it's going down. How long do you sit there? If the elevator doesn't come, is it a minute, five minutes, an hour, three hours, man, I hit the button, you know, so that tension, that escalation of commitment is so important when you think about leadership of now for me, um, I, I have to be intentional around making sure that We've got all those pieces, but that dynamic of hitting that button, you know, if, if we're at three, four minutes and I haven't, the elevator hadn't come, I'm like, man, I bet you that thing's broke down. How many, how many, how many levels am I? And I can walk down those. You know what? I probably need the steps anyway. Yeah. Even finding the, the positive aspects, right. Of having to change yeah. your plan. Yeah. Uh, but just, just real quick, if there are any budding entrepreneurs listening to this who are trying to start up companies or start up new product lines or something like that. Zach just gave you one of the most important tidbits that is missed more than anything else. Small baby steps over time with constant adjustments is the way to do it. Where most startup companies fail, or at least this has been my observation, Zach, you can share your thoughts as well, is they come up with an idea, they spend all the money to make that idea a reality, and they fight the world to make it happen. And then what happens is, is they fight the world and they find out that it's not needed. Whereas if you just took one step after another step after another step, and you listen very carefully to what the market is telling you, you're not going to have that huge failure because the market will direct you where you need to go. So, I mean, just beautifully said, I love that. You can miss the huge failures 
by accepting and learning the small ones. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I love that. So when you when you think about um, when you think about the arc of your career, are there any other big influences that kind of come to mind? But you know, we talked about Enneagram. We talked about um, Strength Finders. We've we've talked about some of those things, but some other that, that just have had kind of an outsized impact. Yeah, I mean, helpful I mean, for people to hear. Um, I'll actually talk through where you and I actually met. You know, AFT. Um, so AFT, uh, Financial Technology Association, um, has been fantastic for me. Um, now we apply this in a way because not everyone can can join AFT and not everyone can attend AFT. So if you're in a leadership role, you may go Google AFTweb.com. And if you're not familiar, you need to go check them out because it's an amazing group. But let me just talk about the concept. Um, you know, the first thing you need to do is you need to go find a place where there are people that are a lot smarter than you are that are in the room, have a different strengths. You know, Nathan, you're a great example. You know, you came up in, in HR and, and people officer and scenario. And if I got a problem with somebody, something, and, and I'm trying to figure out what's the right way to do it, and it's anything related to that side, you know, I pick up the phone and call and say, I don't have that strength. I don't have that knowledge. I don't have that expertise. I, I could go pretend. That'd be pretty lame. Um, and so what I found is getting a network of people around you that you can trust that can be authentic with you, that can help you is so critical. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier as, as you, you have to be in a scenario where you're comfortable giving in those scenarios, not just being the taker and um, finding a, a place where you can have peer um, collaboration, common mentoring is that that's been foundational for me. Um, you know, I, I, I was at a, as an, at an organization for 19 years, um, uh, from starting a college until I started Finisec. And I, I realized that that had a lot of advantages because I knew the landscape, I knew the processes and I was that engineer. I knew what I was talking through on the sales and biz dev side, but I also had a lot of disadvantages because I hadn't seen other things. I didn't have a different perspective. So how do I expand my scope and help offset that? And um, I think when you're in a in a scenario and you want to be a leader, lean into that. And there's folks that I mean, I've been so blessed by people that have poured into me that are so willing. And, and really, you just got to be okay with taking a leap and trying to take the steps to make those things happen. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the older and older I get, the more and more I realize how beautiful a network is. And I think a lot of people, especially younger folks, think of networks as kind of surface level and perhaps like not cool or whatever, but really just meeting people and making connections and helping them and just serving um, has done more for my own personal joy, happiness and fulfillment than pretty much anything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let me let me just nail this, right? Let's just go through a scenario, and you go help a bunch of people in that scenario. It it has a compounding effect on 
how you feel, how your impressions are, all of those components. And even if you don't get anything back, just the dynamic of how it fills the cup is part of the special sauce. And I think, you know, a lot of times, yeah, that goes back to that whole dynamic of um, vulnerability, transparency, authenticity. And, and, and I passionately believe that that is going to be the special sauce as we look towards the future. When you look at things around conversational AI and the dynamics, I mean, I, I'm, you can get an email out now. I get them all the time about, hey, I saw you're the CEO of that and you do these things because they went and they got my LinkedIn profile and they uploaded it to ChatGPT and now they're sending me these things. Well, how do you have relationships get built in a real way? Well, I think the things we're talking through. This is such an important concept for the financial technology industry to get a hold of, and it applies to other industries as well. Especially as we see the capabilities of generative AI increase, more people will try using it as a proxy for the messy human process required to build true connection with other people. Now, I, I can't predict the future, but if history is any guide, the best approach is to use technology to enhance human capabilities, not place humans altogether. Machines can be optimized for efficiency. Authentic relationships cannot. So as we as we wrap up our conversation, one of the things that uh, I always love to dig deeper into is, you know, and we've talked about some business books, and it's a very common thing to hear about in a bunch of podcasts. But I want to hear a recommendation of a non-business book. So something that, uh, that, that has helped you kind of define who you are and your leadership style or, or whatnot, or maybe that you've just enjoyed um, that you wouldn't hear in a typical business-related podcast. Um, so I think for, for me, the, the first one, um, and, and this goes to our, and I've got a couple for you. So the, the, um, our purpose statement at Finisec is love, serve, give. And uh, I passionately believe that if we love our employees, that's such a big, bold word. And that love flows over the way that we serve our customers. And because of that, we can give back in crazy, unique ways. The, the love piece of that is very unique. And that's faith-based. You know, that's the Bible. You know, I actually uh, start our uh, team meetings pretty consistently when we're in person on First uh, uh, Corinthians 13. And for those of y'all who have been in a wedding at any point, that's the love is thing that in, in the dynamics. Um, and, and I passionately believe that those philosophies of love um, and being able to go have those scenarios are foundational. Um, I've got some devotions that I do in the morning, you know, that are kind of in that same side. You know, right now, though, I, if you're going to ask me what I'm reading, that's kind of nonfiction uh, or not a business book or fiction related. I love some Jack Carr, you know, that's the terminal list guy. If you haven't watched that, you know, um, and, and one of the things I've, I've found is it's really healthy for me. And I think this goes into the stuff that you got to think about with self-health and, um, uh, uh, the dynamics that sometimes we don't talk about. It is so good for me to go and read some fe- some fiction and just have my mind actually unplug. Um, and, uh, I do that. That's that's my 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 uh, my deal these days is is reading Jack Carr. I'm actually on the sixth book now um, of his uh, 
seven seven series. He's getting a lot of money from me from Kendall as I go down with these books. Um, but I, I I enjoy that dynamic of just being able to kind of uh, check out and being able to go facilitate. Not not that it's been kind of um, career building or anything else. I don't think that's what you're looking for. It's just you know how do I you know how do I apply those. Well, I think it it goes it definitely goes to show you that uh, this idea of balance, which doesn't necessarily mean all things being equal, right? Yeah, right. Balance is about balance. <laughs> um, that it is necessary to understand what can refill your cup or rejuvenate you or give you a, a moment of escape, right? And uh, I, I love that uh, you shared some of what you do for that. Yeah, you know the the thing we didn't talk about, we probably should have talked about, is my uh, my take time to think days. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that earlier. You know, and and being intentional around you know trying to trying to get away and journal and you know I think there there are a lot of things when you start thinking about leadership, being the best human that you can be that. Um, that continual improvement that I'm just a big believer in and really passionate about. And I know, Nathan, you share those same things. So I appreciate you having me on today to be able to kind of talk through and, and be able to have a little piece of the story, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And I do, uh, I've always been inspired by your uh, habit that you've created and taking a day set aside just for you to think and journal. So let's end with this. Uh, we ask all of our leaders that we bring into the podcast, is a leader born or is a leader made? Um, and I think I'm going to, I'm going to answer this two ways. So you're, you're born with some strengths that you're going to have, right? There are going to be some things that you have, but I think what makes you a leader is understanding those strengths, leveraging them, and then figuring out how you go get the folks around you to be able to go maximize the impact. So, um, if, if we had a whole bunch of folks at Finesec that were just like me, this place would be a disaster. I mean, it would just not function. It wouldn't work. We wouldn't be able to execute. So really, when I, th- when I think about that scenario, you've got to have people around you. Um, so I think there are things that you're born with that are strengths that are critical for you to lean in and figure out what those are. Everyone's a little different, um, but absolutely they're made. You know, you, you have the impact and you have the dynamic of making that steady progress, those baby steps, all those things we talked about through the conversation today. Um, and you don't have to go eat the elephant in one bite. You know, what's the one thing you're going to go do today after listening to this conversation that's relevant that you can have to make an impact to make yourself a little bit better? Yeah, I love that. Well, Zach, thank you so much. You've been super generous, generous with your time, sharing your, your, uh, your own experiences and all the lessons that you've learned. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and uh, look forward to um, future conversations and appreciate the honor of being on. Thanks y'all. The research professor and best-selling author Brene Brown said in her 2010 TED talk, vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. And since then, to Brene's credit, the topic of vulnerability has gained wider acceptance in the workplace. Unfortunately, talking about vulnerability is much easier than living it out, especially as a CEO, where weaknesses could be exploited and confidence is king. Zach Duke has taken the harder path. 
He talks the talk and walks the walk. As you heard in this very interview, I think this is also why Finisec has done so well. They're extracting the full value of the innovation, creativity, and change that comes with embracing vulnerability in the workplace. You might not feel like your workplace is a safe place to reveal your weaknesses, and you might be right. Not every manager or executive has done the deep soul-searching work to create safety around vulnerability. My hope is that you can begin your own journey to find a community where vulnerability is prized. That's where your people are. That's where your true potential can come alive. I'm so grateful for listeners like you. Talking with leaders like Zach Duke is one of my great privileges, and it's amazing that I can share these conversations with you. We've linked to Jack Carr's author page in the show notes, as well as the Enneagram and Strength Finder websites. You've been listening to Builder, Banker, Hacker, Chief, a podcast produced and distributed by Z-Suite Technologies Incorporated, all rights reserved. I'm your host, Nathan Baumeister, the CEO and co-founder of Z-Suite Tech. This show was co-produced, written, and edited by Zach Garver. Sound engineering was done by Nathan Butler at Nimblewit Productions. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to leave us a review or share the episode. This helps other people to find our show. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Thank you.